Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. We begin season three of Let's Talk About Life with today's episode. Wow, three seasons already. That flew by in a blink of an eye. It's a great time though to continue reflecting back a little bit, but also an even better opportunity to look forward. It goes without saying that 2021 was a bumpy year for so many reasons, and LifeBank felt those bumps as well. Last year, Mary LaRiccia retired. Now, Mary worked in the Bereavement Services Department for 27 years and was probably LifeBank's best-kept secret. She worked quietly behind the scenes with donor families and recipients, facilitating the correspondence process and so much more. She was dedicated and spoke with thousands of donor families who had questions about their loved one's gifts and how they saved and helped others. So when Mary announced that she was retiring, you could literally feel a little bit of anxiety set in. Obviously, it was not going to be easy to replace someone who understood our mission with such compassion and grace like Mary had for all those years. Hi, you're listening to episode 91 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Although Mary's contribution to LifeBank and our mission will not be forgotten for a very long time, we are so thrilled to announce that we have a new staff member joining the Bereavement Services Department who has an even deeper connection with donation and transplantation, and with whom we are confident will bring new skills and expand the role of the Bereavement Services Coordinator and Counselor. Dina Balk became part of the LifeBank family in the fall of 2021 and has already begun making an impact with donor families. Dina is joining me today to share her background, what she brings to the new role, and why the mission of LifeBank is so important to her and her family. Dina, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be part of this, this wonderful podcast. Well, we're excited that you are here, literally. We are all thrilled that you are here. Would you just like to begin by sharing a little bit about yourself, your family, your hobbies, and things that uh, you like to do? Well, I'm a Cleveland native. Um, my, my parents uh, moved to Cleveland in the late, I guess the early 90s. And um, I grew up on the east side. And I went to Case Western, actually, for undergrad and graduate school. So Cleveland through and through. That's and, wonderful. Um, yeah. And then I now I have my own family. So I, I have a husband and two wonderful little kids. I have a, a almost three-year-old. She'll be three in a couple months. And then my son is 18 months. So it's a little little crazy over here. Oh, my goodness. You have to have your, your hands full with those two. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you recently relocated back to Ohio from New Jersey and really specifically to work for LifeBank. 
I mean, that is such a huge investment of time and resources. Why was it so important for you to come to back to Cleveland and work for LifeBank? So my husband's actually from New Jersey and we were living in New Jersey. He was uh, working at a law firm in New York City. And we have two little kids. And before the pandemic, he'd spend about three hours commuting uh, to and from work. And we just kind of knew that that was not something we wanted, um, you know, long term. He was not going to be able to see our kids very much. And he wasn't happy with that. We, I wasn't happy with that. And our kids certainly weren't going to be happy with that. So when this opportunity came up with LifeBank, it just really felt like kind of the most wonderful fit and such a, such a great opportunity for our family. My mom was actually a liver recipient. In 2005, she received a new liver, and it was just this totally transformative thing for our whole family. She started getting sick around 2000, I think. I was, I was very young. I was in like elementary school. I think the need for the transplant was resulted from um, her having her gallbladder removed, and there were some complications from that surgery. So she spent a long time dealing with liver problems. She, you know, she was becoming very jaundiced. Eventually, she needed a biliary stent to keep her liver working, and she would have to go into the hospital every month to have that stent changed. It was just a very kind of grueling, and just it took a huge toll on on our whole family, I think. And then eventually, she got sick enough where she she was able to be placed on the transplant list, and I think that was in early two thousand five. And she was very sick, and, and my brother and I were in high school, so our parents kind of, you know, gave us to talk about what was going to happen, and, you know, the whole transplant process on the recipient end, it's very quick. You know, you can spend a lot of time on the list, but if you have a match, then things happen very quickly. Absolutely. Um, when you get that call, it's right. get the bags and go. Right, right. So we kind of knew... Um, that we were, this was something we were going to be waiting for. It was hard to understand as a as a high schooler, but we, we knew that this was this is what needed to happen for my mom's health, and it was so clear that you know she she was so sick that this was the miracle that we were we were asking for. Absolutely. Um, and for somebody waiting for a liver transplant, they really get the sickest before transplant happens. How did it feel for you to see your mom that critically ill? It was, I mean, it was very hard. My mom, she was a wonderful mom. I'm sure everyone feels that way about their mom, but my mom was really the most joyful, the most loving, you know, happy person. And even throughout her illness, which is just something that speaks to her character so much, she always had this incredible optimism. She never felt burdened by her sickness. Um, She was the most hopeful of anyone. And she had just this incredible outlook that kept everyone else afloat. Because I think when you have a sick parent, you can feel, you know, it's a huge burden when you're growing up. It's just something, it's kind of the scariest thing that could ever happen. That's what I always felt like. Losing my mom was the worst thing that ever could have happened. And But I, I never really felt the weight of that was placed on me because she did such a tremendous job of keeping our lives the same and just again, maintaining this incredible positive spirit and this hopeful outlook. Wow. Do you remember what it was like when you guys finally got the call that there was a liver available? Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. So my brother and I were at sleepaway camp. 
uh, in Canada, which is about eight hours away from Cleveland. And so we knew that the plan going into camp, she had been on the list and we knew that the plan would be that when they got the call, they would call camp and they would get us home for a couple of days so we could be with her. And so we went all summer, kind of nothing happened. And then my parents got the call the night before we came home from camp. So I guess sometime like that evening before, they got the call, they went into the hospital, you know, it was going to be a good match for her. And she went into surgery. This was um, in August. And my brother and I didn't hear about the transplant until it was done. And that's a very long, a liver transplant is a very long surgery. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, so I'll never forget. See, I was on this bus home <laughs> from sleepaway camp with 40 other kids. And someone on the bus, like, the, you know, the bus mom got the phone call from my dad. And we got on the phone with him and he said, you know, mom had the transplant. She's out of surgery. It, everything went well and she's doing great. And it was just, you know, I think they, they kind of spared us from all of the waiting. And I think it was very intentional that they waited until the surgery was over to tell us. But, you know, the whole bus erupted in because everyone knew that we had been waiting. It was kind of like this big known thing. So everyone was so excited. I think my brother and I were probably just really stunned and happy. But everyone, all these kids were so excited for us. <laughs> it, was, it was just this incredible, bizarre, um, kind of surreal moment. Look how profound that was. You've never forgotten that feeling of a whole bus load of kids cheering for you. How wonderful. What a memory. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how did your mom do post-transplant? She did really well. The liver um, was, was a good fit and it never gave her any problems. I just, I remember right after the surgery, after we got off the bus, someone came, I think one of my relatives came and picked us up and we took us to the hospital and we were able to see her post-transplant. She was um, not awake or anything, but I remember my brother saying to her, mom, you're not yellow anymore. Like she had been so jaundiced that it was just on her skin. You could see how, how yellow that she looked. And almost immediately she looked better and the liver continued to work really well for her. Um, and she had eight years after her transplant with the liver and uh, she passed away, unfortunately in 2013. But in those eight years, it was like this incredible gift gave her, a whole new life and a whole new outlook on life. The day of her transplant became like her second birthday. And I remember the first year after the transplant, she threw herself a huge birthday party on the first (laughs) anniversary (laughs) with cake and champagne and all her friends. And it was just like this joyous, incredible celebration. And and well-deserved. That first year post-transplant is a little rough and, and bumpy adjusting medications and getting used to your new normal and actually just getting over the actual surgery. I mean, it, it's a rough first year. So that's right. wonderful. She celebrated. That's wonderful. Yeah. She had eight additional years and was it liver failure? It, it really wasn't liver failure. Um, she unfortunately had some other medical issues. And I know that this is kind of not uncommon for recipients that they just have other things going on as well. So she just had some other medical issues. They were never quite able to figure out what was going on, but they always knew that her liver numbers were great and the the issues she had with her liver had never returned. But um, eventually it was 
uh, her kidneys actually that stopped working. And I mean, she was so sick. She at one point she had to go on a ventilator because she wasn't able to breathe, and she had a tracheotomy, and they were never able to really wean her off of it. So by the end of her life, the last few months, she wasn't able to talk. And she also had become very, like, she had a lot of mobility challenges as well. Mm-hmm. And so by the time she went into kidney failure, she was going to need to go on dialysis. She actually said, this is my time. She made the decision not to go on dialysis because, I mean, it was clear to, I think, her, her medical team that this just was delaying the end. Yeah. But it, it, was a, it was a tremendous thing that she was able to decide you know, this is my, this is my line. I'm not crossing this line. And this is, this is my time. Wow. You know, transplants are not the end all cure for any um, end stage organ failure. And, and really it just complicates health. And what a fighter though, for eight years, that's a wonderful bonus. I mean, that you guys got to spend that time together and, and she was able to see you grow a little bit more, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And Actually, this year in 2021 was actually the eighth anniversary of her death. And I spent so much time reflecting on really how long of a time eight years truly is. Because in the eight years that was given to her after her transplant and that she was able to be alive and we were able to spend with her and just having her, you know, she was just this incredible, like the glue for our family. And now seeing eight years after she's been gone and reflecting on the things that she wasn't there for and all of really all of the things that have happened in the past eight years, it gives me a totally new appreciation and a new, just a new perspective on how long of a time and how big of a gift those extra years really were. Yeah. Wow. What a story. So we're going to go back to the opening a little, just for a minute here. It's got to be a little bit intimidating for you to be stepping into the role that Mary LaRiccia filled. I mean, she was such a dedicated employee for so many years, but your role is different than Mary's. And I wanted to highlight the new skills and the different approach that you're going to bring to this position. So if you would spend a few minutes talking about your background, you mentioned you went to Case Western. And also, how did you hear about the position at LifeBank living in New Jersey? Sure. So, yeah, I had gone to social work school. Um, and at the beginning of my, uh, my time in social work school, I actually reached out to Alyssa Berman, who is the um, bereavement supervisor. She runs the bereavement program at LifeBank. And I had known Alyssa because my mom got involved in some volunteer work at LifeBank. After her transplant, she would do some outreach as a recipient and do some speaking about the importance of organ donation. So I had a, I knew Alyssa from that, uh, and I was aware of LifeBank and all of the tremendous work that LifeBank does um, just through being the, you know, the child of a recipient and seeing all of the tremendous work that they do in Northeast Ohio. So I had reached out to Alyssa when I started social work school to see if I could potentially do a field placement with LifeBank. And it, it ended up not working out, I think partially because I had just lost my mom within that year. And I realized it would have been a very difficult um, thing for me to do while I was in the throes of grief myself. But I always thought of LifeBank. And when I graduated from social work school, I reached out to her again just to see if 
there were any openings in her department, which of course there weren't. So then I ended up working, you know, in Cleveland doing other social work things. And I ended up leaving that job when I started my family. And a few months ago in 2021, Alyssa reached out. She had remembered that had reached out to her several years before. And she didn't know that I wasn't in Cleveland, but she just said that she had thought of me for this position and just wanted to see if, you know, if it was something that'd be possible for me. And even though we were living in New Jersey, as I said, we were kind of looking to make a change and the pandemic had happened. They kind of reevaluated, you know, all of our priorities, as I think a lot of people did. And we realized we'd love to be closer to family. So it was kind of an incredible thing um, that, that it, that happened. And, you know, once I sent her my resume and everything, Alyssa, you wanted to schedule a date for an interview and she threw out a date and it actually was the, the anniversary of my mom's transplant. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, it, I'm not a person who normally believes in signs, um, but <laughs> it was hard. It was, it was really hard to ignore. That's a pretty big the, one, Dina. That's yeah. A pretty big right. One. It, it, it is a huge sign that Alyssa reached out on your mom's transplant anniversary and for our listeners, you know, the bereavement department consists of two people. So um, to find somebody that would be that other half to Alyssa is awesome. You were, I think, really hand chosen and for good reason. Not only your background, but a personal experience, you can really appreciate the donor families. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I right. And, and I think I said to Alyssa during the interview, you know, my perspective of the recipient family is totally different from the perspective of a donor family. And so obviously my experience with life saving with organ donation has been from the recipient end, but I feel this tremendous drive to give back to donor families because those are the people, number one, who are, who are grieving a tremendous loss while another family, you know, has gotten this gift. Someone had to pass away. Someone, you know, had to lose their life for that gift to be possible. So um, I just felt this really tremendous drive to give back donor families. Um, and so it just really felt like it was meant to be. It feels yeah. right. It feels meant to be. Dina, if you had the opportunity to talk with your, your mom's donor family, what would you say to them? Um, it's such a hard question because I, I remember my mom, she struggled also. She thought, she thought about her donor all the time, and I even remember that. But when it came time to write to the, to the family, I think she struggled knowing how, how to say thank you. Um, I remember she would say, you know, thank you is something you say to the person at the grocery store that, that checks you out. It's, what are the words for someone that saves your life and that gives you this incredible gift? So I think in reflecting on those eight years, you know, and, and all of the years that I had with her, I think what I would say is, is thank you. <laughs> and that the legacy of, of your loved one lives on, not only in my mom, but in, you know, our whole family, our whole community was, was impacted. You know, my, my parents have tons of friends and family and, and they were all just incredibly impacted by this donation and by this transplant. And actually my aunt, several years later, in memory of my mom became a living donor and she donated her kidney to a family friend. Oh, wow. Um, so the ripple effect 
from this transplant and from this gift uh, is tremendous. And it's it sounds really, so. It sounds yeah, tremendous. So, so yeah. when you were interviewing with LifeBank and with Alyssa, what impressed you about our bereavement services department? I remember coming in and meeting Mary and just being in awe of the work that she did, you know, and, and just just how wonderful she is and how huge and just vast the things that she has done over the past 28 years for LifeBank really were. And um, also just all of the incredible things that are offered to donor families after the time of donation, support groups, counseling, you know, art therapy, not even to mention the recipient updates um, that families can get and the correspondences that we facilitate, but just the breadth of services and, and how much LifeBank really wants to support donor families after the time of donation. That has always been remarkable to me, and I feel so blessed to be able to help facilitate that. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm most proud about working with LifeBank is that we really do care about our donor families, and we walk that walk with them. You know, we say technically 24 months, but I know families that have a lifelong connection with us that we're still, in some way, shape and form, supporting them. As they, you know, grow and continue on their grief journey way down the line, it's it's pretty impactful. It's pretty impactful. What are you most excited about working at LifeBank and and the new skills that you're bringing to us? Sure, I'm so excited to be with LifeBank. It's hard to even put into words just this incredible personal connection that I feel, as well as a professional respect for the huge work that LifeBank does to to coordinate, to promote organ donation, to make transplants happen, um, and just to support donor families. And I think first and foremost, I want to maintain the standard of excellence that Alyssa and Mary have really set in our department in serving donor families, because um, certainly what LifeBank's mission is all about. And I'm also just really excited to help support the counseling piece um, because I am a licensed social worker. I'm able to help e-clients and facilitate groups. And those are all things that, you know, down the road, I'm really excited about being able to do to just enhance the already amazing services that LifeBank offers to donor families and just help to keep the legacy of, of donors alive. Well, we are so thrilled you are here. <laughs> and I think you just bring a calm, you know, and we know that we're going to carry on and that our families will be taken care of as they always have been and in better ways, new and better ways. I think from the pandemic, we've learned that we can communicate in many different ways rather than just in person. And with that comes a whole new set of responsibilities and and new technologies. And it's great to know that we're going to be able to change and and offer things to our families in new ways. So we're excited you're here. We really are. It's very mutual. I was going to share that in the vein of encouraging families to reach out. Sure. um, I recently had a young, a daughter of a, a donor who had passed away many years ago reach out to me because she wanted some information about uh, the gifts that her father was able to make. And I remember how she was, she was very apologetic kind of being like, I just, I just feel that I want to know this information. I don't know why, but, and, and kind of just apologizing to me. And I just had to say to her, this is my whole job. My whole job is to talk to families and to reach out and get this information because 
this isn't unique to you. This is something that, you know, lots of people are curious about and, and they want this information to help maintain their connection to their loved one. And I am so blessed and fortunate to be able to help facilitate and keep that connection alive. So please reach out to me just with general questions. If you're not sure, if, you, if you're thinking about writing to a, you know, to a recipient, I'm always here and I'm here to help. So please That's reach out. Great. It is important to share that because, you know, I think when you're young, especially, you don't process things fully and deeply as you do when you're an an adult and you understand what that gift really meant, what that gift really is. You know, you you get it, your your parent was an organ donor, but wow, when you really think about the impact that that has made to somebody's life. Dina, thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. And I'm excited for everybody to meet the newest member of the Bereavement Services Department, but somebody who has been supportive of LightBank for many, many years. So that's great that you're here. You're one of us. Thank you. I could not be more excited. And if you're a donor family, please reach out to me. I'd love to, you know, be of help however I can. And that's D-E-N-A-B as in boy at lifebanc.org. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.